0: Let's pray. Lord God, as we come now to open your word to finish 1 Samuel. Lord, we see the death of the anointed one of Israel, the king. God, we see in Saul a warning to us that we not start well, but finish badly. No, Lord, the only way we can do that is by your grace. And we ask that you would be gracious to us here now. As we open your word, as we read it. As it is proclaimed to us that your Holy Spirit would give us the understanding we need. Lord, we pray for any who are dead in their sins and trespasses even now. Will God, change their hearts. Give them spiritual life. Bring them to faith in Jesus. We pray this in His name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing and turn with me to 1 Samuel 31. Samuel 31, verses 1-13, hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel. And the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul. And the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities, and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning we were in First Samuel chapter 30 and we saw David and his men coming back from the front line. And as they came back, they found that Ziklag had been burned. Their wives and their children all had been taken captive. And David was overwhelmed because his wives were gone. His children were gone. And, and then the people wanted to stone David. We saw the sufficiency of God's strength as David strengthened himself and the Lord God We saw then the providence of God and an Egyptian. as David inquired of the Lord, should he go after these men? the Lord said yes and on their way and the providence of God, an Egyptian who had been with the Amalekites told David all he needed to know. We saw the grace of God in victory as David defeated the Amalekites and finally the encouragement of God in victory concerning the spoil that David took. And so for the last two chapters, we have been focused upon David. But yet we've been waiting for this chapter for several weeks. Uh, Again, the writer is not going in a chronological fashion. Back in, in 1 Samuel 28, we heard of Saul and the witch of Endor and how how the spirit that was said to be Samuel told Saul that he would die the very next day in battle. And then the writer, he interrupts that story and he gives us some more uh, information concerning David. And then finally, we come back. And we join the battle of Gilboa in progress. How do we know that? Well, in verse 1, we read the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and, and the, the verb there is there indicates a continuing action. And so this battle has taken place for some time. It, it might be like we are watching a football game and we missed the first half, so now we have to catch up with the second half. And so here the battle has been ongoing, and, and the writer thrusts us right into the end of it. Now, this chapter is rather short. Just 13 verses. There's not a lot to tell in this chapter. but And really, he could, have, he could have just summed it all up in the second part of verse 1. The men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Over the last few weeks, we have seen David... Enjoying deliverance at Atik, At Ziklag, but there is no deliverance here for Saul, nor for his sons. We see this morning at Gilboa the enemies of God; they win the day, they win the battle. And so, there are four things I want us to focus in on in this chapter. And those four things are are tragedy, truth, shame, and gratitude. And so we begin with with tragedy. Look at at verse 2. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. This chapter is a tragic narrative. Now, when we think of the word tragic, we, we, we're thinking mainly it's alluding to Saul, and it is. But you notice that, that even though the day that Saul died, that his three sons also died. And notice who is the first casualty mentioned. It is Jonathan. Now, we know some time back, Jonathan and David, they had the final meeting together. And David will speak of his death in 2 Samuel chapter 1 that we'll begin looking at, Lord willing, next Sunday evening. But we need to take a moment here and think about Jonathan. Because he played a a crucial role in this book. You might say we have here Jonathan's obituary. Recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. Scripture. And what do we know of Jonathan? Well, we know that Jonathan remained a, a true friend to David and a true son to his father. Even though Saul was trying to kill David and tried to do so many times over, Jonathan was loyal to David, but he was also loyal to his father, the king. We know that Jonathan surrendered his kingship or his right to the throne to David. And this morning, we see him sacrificing his life for Saul. And so Jonathan has been for some time in a hopeless situation. His best friend whom he loved in the Lord, and his father, no doubt, whom he loved as well. And here he finds himself in that hopeless situation with nowhere else to go but to the place where God has placed him. And that is at the side of his father. And he is fighting those pagan, unbelieving Philistines. And he dies. He dies fighting with his father, the king. Even though he knew well that his father was not as righteous as David. And so we find that tragedy in the opening verses. Saul and his sons. Being overtaken by the Philistines, and Jonathan and his two brothers, they die there in battle, and that is a tragedy. But then, second, we we see and hear something of truth in verses three through seven. Now, in this whole text that, that is before us this morning, we find verbs that tell us. That this battle was a brutal disaster for Israel. We hear verbs such as to flee, to fall, to strike down, wounded, pierced through, die, strip, and nail. And it's not relating to the Philistines, it's relating to Israel. This is an account of a total defeat by the Philistines against Israel. And we see in verse 3 that the battle pressed hard against Saul. The archers found him and he was badly wounded by the archers. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared... Greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead. And his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men on the same day together. And what do we find here? That Saul, as he has an arrow hit him, he wishes to die. Before the Philistines can come and, and, and do with him what they will. And so he asked to die the way Ahimelech died, Israel's unanointed king. In Judges chapter 9, by the sword of an obliging armor bearer. This armor bearer would not do it. He would not kill Saul. He would not kill the Lord's anointed. And so what does Saul do? He kills himself. He takes his sword and he runs himself through with that sword. His armor bearer then sees what has transpired. and He fell upon his sword and died with Saul. So Saul died, his three sons, his armor bearer, all his men on the same day together again. The, the verb to die is used four times. Saul has died. His sons have died. His armor bearer has died. All of his men have died. And what does that have to do with truth? We'll turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 28. Now again, in this chapter we find Saul going to a witch at Endor. And he consults this witch and something comes up and he speaks to Saul and it says it's Samuel. Again, I believe it was Satan disguised as Samuel. And notice what is said in verse 19. Moreover, The Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Now at the very beginning of 1 Samuel. There was the word of the Lord given as well. Concerning Samuel's sons. Hophni, Phinehas. And so that prophecy was given. And what happened? Well, the sons of Samuel died just as God said they would. Here, God is using a spirit to give his word. Isn't it amazing that God can use even evil spirits to give his word? And he does just that. And Saul is warned and says, you will die the next day. And what do we find in our text here this morning? We see God keeping his word. As one commentator stated, Israel may fall on Gilboa. Saul may fall on his sword, but the word of God will not fall. It will and has surely come to pass. And we see this and we say, well, that's not a very happy fulfillment of God's word. We want the good things, right? We want the good promises given to us. We don't want the bad. But we see, however, that that God... As he gave this word for Saul's death. And as it comes to pass. As it is a dark time for the kingdom of God. God's word shows that even this darkness is not outside of his purposes. Again, we we don't know what God's purposes are for his church. We, We know that persecution will come. But if it does come, and if it comes greatly, and if it comes heavily upon us, what do we know? That it is the purpose of God for us. And He's doing something in that, isn't He? Just as He's done throughout the history of the church. And we pray for revival. I hope you're praying for revival, because the church needs it. We need it here, and every church of the Lord Jesus needs to be revived. And we need to be praying that God's Spirit would work. We need to be praying that God would revive His church again. But, what if He doesn't? What if dark days come upon us? Well, we know this, that God's Word is true. And if dark days comes upon the church here in, in the nation, God's purpose will be fulfilled. And we see that in Saul. God's Word of judgment of Saul Is true. But what does that mean for David? It means that his word of promise to David. Is also true. Because without the death of Saul. David would never be king. And so this reminds us. That both in darkness and light. God speaks a true and faithful word. Then there is a third thing we see and that is shame we see this in verses 8-10 through 10. the next day we find the Philistines they come to do what they would normally do to strip the dead bodies and lo and behold what did they find they found the king of Israel and his three sons dead oh that was special wasn't it That was a a special day for these uncircumcised Philistines. These were the premier trophies that they were looking for. And what did they do to them? They mangled the bodies to their liking. And they chopped off the head of Saul. And they stripped off his armor. And they sent messengers back to proclaim victory. In their temples. And to their people. And they used the house of the goddess Astarte, where they placed Saul's armor, and the bodies of Saul and his sons were spiked to the walls of Bethshan. Now that is gruesome, isn't it? So that's what happens in war. War is gruesome. War is never pretty. Bodies are desecrated, heads chopped off, nailed to the wall. There is shame. There's shame upon the body of Saul and the bodies of his three sons. There is shame as the Philistines rejoice in the temples of their false gods. And what does it seem like? Or what happened on this day? Well, for a brief moment, what happened is this the idols won. Because the Philistines went to what? Their idols? They rejoiced and they celebrated and they thought foolishly so because as we will see next week and beginning in Second Samuel, that victory will be short-lived. But they thought at least for a moment that they had victory over the one true God. If God's king and people were, were thoroughly defeated, so in their minds, God was thoroughly defeated. And so what what is worse than that? It is the mocking of God. God is disgraced, at least to the Philistine mind. And we'll see in a moment some valiant men going to correct the disgrace that Saul and his sons and their bodies had. Christian, let me ask you, what is, is that your concern for God's reputation? When God is disgraced, does that concern you? It should. It should concern every one of us here this morning. It ought to strike all of God's people individually as well as corporately. As, as one pastor put it, this. That is what matters, whether it involves the church as a body or individual believer, whether it is at Mount Goboa or in New Jersey, whether those around are Philistines or Presbyterians. The honor of Yahweh himself must be at the top of our agenda. Let me ask you, is it at the top of your agenda? The honor of God. When God is disgraced in your hearing, what do you do about it? The Philistines, in their mind, they had disgraced Jehovah. They had disgraced the bodies of Saul and his sons. And they, in their minds, had won. And for a time, they did. Then fourth and finally, we see something of gratitude. In verses 11 through 13. Because the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, they heard what happened. They heard that Saul's army had been cut to shreds. Now, when that happened as well, we know that the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul. All the valiant men arose. But even before that, we know that other Israelites, they fled the area. The Philistines came. They had new homes to live in. And so those strong men of Jabesh Gilead, they went all night to Beth-shan. Now it was roughly 10 miles to go there. 20, 22 mile round trip. It could be done in a night. And so they go in that night and they take and remove the rotting bodies of Saul and his sons. And they take them back to Jabesh and and notice what they do. They burn them there. Now why did they burn them? Because they had been disgraced. It wasn't that the people of God believed in cremation. No, they, they were disgraced. And they took the bones that was left. And they they buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh. And they fasted seven days for the death of Saul. Now why did they do this? And it's very simple. The men of Jabesh Gilead, they never forgot. What was it that they never forgot? Well remember Nahash, the Ammonite. Turn back to to 1 Samuel chapter 11. Verse 1, Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people. And all the people went up Wept aloud. And what did Saul do when he heard it? He went and he rescued the men and he rescued Jabesh Gilead. And he did so in the power of the Spirit. And that began the reign of Saul. He delivered Jabesh. And the reign of Saul ends with Jabesh's deliverance the body of Saul. You see, this was a debt of gratitude being repaid. These men never forgot what Saul had done for them. And they knew that the anointed of the Lord was his body was nailed to a wall and they went and they, they rescued that body and the bodies of his sons and they brought them back and they gave them a proper burial. Now, this is a very dark chapter, isn't it? We will hear of David's grief next week. What application can we make? Well, first of all, tragic events happen to God's people as much as to the people of the world. Here it looks like the the pagan deities of the Philistines had won. And they did win the battle, but they did not win the war Saul is killed but God will raise up another king. And that is David. And David will come and defeat these Philistines. There are times when it seems like the false deities of this world win. There are times where it seems that Satan wins. But we know the truth, don't we? That Satan and all of his followers will lose the war. Why? Because God has raised up a king that is greater than David and that is His Son. The Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ who has secured us the victory. It is Christ that will come And put an end to all the tragedy we see in this world. And you remember what what we read in Psalm 2. The Lord sits in heaven and He laughs. And oh, with our leaders today, He has a lot to laugh at, right? He laughs. Why is that? Because they are foolish and they think that they are going to defeat God. Like the Philistines think here that they had defeated Jehovah. And I could see God in heaven laughing. Because He knew what was next. Oh Christian, when it seems like this world is winning, when there's tragedy upon tragedy for God and His people, just be reminded they may win the battle, but they have already lost the war. Second, know this, God keeps His Word. Whether it is a word of judgment or blessing. God's word will not return to him void. God's word will accomplish all that he has ordained. God's word of judgment we see has come upon Saul and Saul is now dead. But that means as well as we will begin to see next week that God's word of blessing is coming upon David and David will be king. And So what does that mean for us? It means that we can trust the word of God. We can trust it. We can trust all the promises given to us in the Word. We can trust all the threatenings given to us in the Word. Because our God is a trustworthy God. His Word is a trustworthy Word. Third, when God is mocked, does it move you to a righteous anger? If not, then there's something wrong with us. When the name of Jesus Christ is mocked, when the name of Jehovah is mocked, when God's glory is mocked, it should cause us to have a righteous anger. Why is that? Because God is not mocked. He shares his glory with no one. And so as Christians, we we need to understand that every time we hear God being mocked, every time we hear God's name used with disgrace, we, we should be standing up for that, should we not? But many times we just sit there and we just listen. And we do nothing. What if Jesus had done nothing for us? What if Jesus had never come? What, what if he had never come to this earth to live a perfect life, to suffer at the cross, the death uh, 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 at the cross and the wrath of God? What if he had never done that? Well, we all would be lost. Would we not? We would be pagan Philistines this morning. Worshipping a tree. Worshipping whatever we want to worship. Bowing down to it. As many will do today. Yet Jesus did come. And He saved us. And so, oh Christian, it should move us when we hear our God mock. And ridiculed. And then fourth and finally, because Jesus has come, and He is the greater King than David. Now, spoiler alert, you will be disappointed with David in 2 Samuel. And we know why. But you see, we are grateful As believers for God's deliverance of us. Again if you are not grateful for that salvation. That God has given you. And delivered you. Then let me just be very blunt with you. Then you are not a Christian. Gratefulness. Thankfulness to our God. Now God has delivered us from sin and Satan. In this world. And so how grateful are you this morning? How grateful are are you for that deliverance? Every day as a believer, we should fall down before God and give Him thanks. And it's really simple. Lord, thank You for saving me. Because I don't deserve it. And neither do You. And not only has He redeemed us, He's made us His own. You know, many, many tonight, they will celebrate paganism. Do you know God has saved you from that? Do you know that God has delivered you from all the false idols, all the false worship of the false gods, and he didn't have to do it? He could have left you there. He could have have left me in the throes of, of liberalism and theological liberalism, and he brought me out. Are you grateful? Every day, are you grateful to your God that you're not what you used to be? Christian, be grateful. Jesus has delivered us. He has given us life. And our lives should be one of gratitude and thankfulness. Not just today. Yes, today is the perfect day to do it, right? Today is the easy day to come and be grateful. To gather with God's people morning and evening because we love God. And because we are grateful for the salvation He has has given to us. It is easy to do it today. Tomorrow is the time it gets hard, Right? When we go back in the world and they're not grateful. They hate the God that has saved us. They hate our Lord and Savior. And they mock him. And they bring shame or disgrace upon his name. But yet here we are and we are grateful for what God has done for us, aren't we? Are you grateful? Do you thank him? Not just with your words, but how you live. And finally, we we understand that if we are in Christ this morning, it is because of the grace of God. It is because He loved us from before the foundation of the world. And He chose us in that love and He brought us to His Son in His time. Not in ours. We would have never come in our time. We would never come at all. God changed us. He gave us a new heart. He called us to His Son. And and He saved us and He redeemed us. And so can you say that it's happened for you? Many of us here can. We can testify. Yes, God saved me. He redeemed me at, at such and such a time, on such and such a date. But what if He hasn't? What if you don't know of that time? But what if God is convicting you this morning? Well, there's only one thing you can do, isn't there? You come to Christ. You recognize the wickedness of your heart and your sin. You give that up and you turn to Jesus. And there he is with, with open arms for all of the elect that God has given to him whom he died for. As God gives you that new heart. As he calls you to his son as you turn from your sin and you embrace Jesus in faith, oh, you are delivered. You are redeemed. You are a new creature in Christ. Yes, it may seem like this world is winning. It may seem like the church is losing. Understand this. In this life, we are the church militant. In the next, we are the church triumphant. May God give, bless His Word here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, O oh Lord, that even in a very dark chapter, there is hope. And O oh Lord, in a very dark world, there is hope. And that hope is Jesus. Father, I pray for any here this morning that does, does not know Christ. That, O oh Lord, You would bring them to Christ. You would save them even now. You would show them their sin. You would show them their need of a Savior. And You would bring them to Jesus. Not because they deserve it, but because You love to show mercy and grace. And, O oh Lord, may the rest of us, may, may we be grateful, may we thank You daily. For what you have done for us through Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.